Cheers. I'm gonna take you away one soft night. Show you that love in my way feels so right. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. Yes, we are. And it's. It's We're April. Angry about it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> it's uh, it's horror comedy month, and we have been traumatized. Looking, we have been traumatized <laughs> by our selections, which we were looking forward to watching, and um, and derp diving into. That's right, because I don't think how I don't think we can really deep dive into these. I don't think that I think these these waters are particularly shallow. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. There's By a, design, there's a whole lot of themes to talk about in the Toxic Avenger, but um, but there are certainly tropes. There are tropes abound. So, The Toxic Avenger is a 1984 American superhero black comedy splatter film directed by Michael Hertz and Lloyd Kaufman, who is credited as Sam Wheel, and was written by Kaufman and Joe Ritter. It's the first installment of the Toxic Avenger franchise. The film was released by Troma Entertainment, known for producing low-budget B-movies with campy concepts and gruesome violence. Virtually ignored upon its first release, the Toxic Avenger caught on with filmgoers after a long, successful midnight movie engagement at the Bleecker Street Cinema in Greenwich Village in late 1985. It's now regarded as a cult classic. The Toxic Avenger was the film that, quote, built the house of Troma and was Troma's first horror film. Previously, the production company focused on sex comedies such as Cry Uncle and Squeeze Play. <laughs> I like how everything has an exclamation point after yeah. that. Subsequently, Troma focused almost exclusively on horror films. They found where the money is. Nobody wants to see sex films. Sex films aren't popular at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listeners. Drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains out. This is The Toxic Avenger. Meet little Melvin. He's a 90-pound weakling. Everyone hated Melvin. Yeah, I'm gonna take this mop and shove it down your throat. They teased him. I wanna do it with you. Okay. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident and fell into a vat of nuclear waste. Transforming little Melvin into a hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. Melvin became the Toxic Avenger. The first superhero born out of nuclear waste. Holy shit! I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. All right, everybody, drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains out. The vandals and the perverts had their way with the little people of Tromaville until the Toxic Avenger ripped them apart. The Toxic Avenger. His face is so terrifying. We can't show it to you now. You'll have to see the movie for yourself. The Toxic Avenger can bend steel with his bare hands. Oh, we're all a kid. Get it? 
leap small cars in a single bound. He crushes drug pushers. Smashes hit-and-run drivers. For incredible, explosive action, you must see the Toxic Avenger. He's a different kind of hero. The Toxic Avenger is coming to your town. Look out. Melvin Ferd, Junko III, played by Mark Tortle, is an awkward, nerdy weakling who lives in the fair city of Tromaville, a city known for being the toxic waste dump capital of the world. Melvin works at the local gym where he's tormented by all the muscular, attractive people, mainly Bozo, Slug, Wanda, and Julie. <laughs> Bozo and Slug like to run people down with their car, and their girlfriends urge them to do so as they get their sexual kicks from it. The group murders a young boy riding his bike in the middle of the night on a street city and take pictures of the carnage. The group plans a prank for Melvin, and they trick him into thinking he's going to bang Wanda, but only if he wears a pink onesie and a tutu. When he is mocked and chased by a crowd of people laughing, he dives out the window into a vat of toxic waste below, which sets him on fire. He climbs into a cool tub and transforms into a hideously deformed mutant with superhuman size and strength. A group of drug dealers attempt to bribe a cop, but when he refuses, they jump him and try to blow his dong off. The mutant Melvin appears and kills two of the criminals, leaving a big, wet, stinky mop on their faces as a calling card. One of the criminals, Cigarface, escapes and vows revenge. Melvin returns home, but his mother is horrified and won't let him in. Melvin builds a makeshift home at the town dump. Later, a gang attempts to rob a Mexican restaurant and Sunday shop and Japanese... (laughs) restaurant all in one in broad daylight during the kerfuffle they attack a blind woman and murder her guide dog melvin comes to the rescue and kills the gang and takes the blind woman sarah back to the dump home melvin continues to fight crime throughout tromaville and eventually exacts revenge on his tormentors and mutilators all the while building a relationship with sarah mayor belgudi played by pat ryan who is also the leader of the city's crime ring is fearful that Melvin's crime cleanup will lead back to him. He orders a gang, led by Cigarface, to kill Melvin. But when they attempt to shoot him, Melvin escapes and the gang shoots each other. Melvin is loved by the public as their hero until he seemingly kills an innocent old woman and a dry cleaners. Mayor Belgody calls on the National Guard to destroy him once and for all. Melvin, horrified at what he has become, talks Sarah into moving away from the city and into a tent in the woods. They are eventually discovered, and the National Guard moves in. A tank is pointed directly at Melvin, but the people of Tromaville stand by him. That seemingly innocent old woman? She was the leader of a human trafficking ring. Melvin really is still a hero. Mayor Belgoody's evil ways are revealed and the city cheers as Melvin pulls out his bloody organs to see if he has any guts at all. But the loss of the now gutless mayor hasn't ended all crime in Tromaville, and Melvin, nay, the Toxic Avenger vows to continue to mop up all the criminals and hoods the end (laughs) thanks for keeping that short that's pretty much the movie (laughs) how long is this film it could have been much shorter it could have really been much shorter (laughs) but funny nonetheless 
The Toxic Avenger was released in May of 1984 in New York City and started a successful run of midnight shows in Greenwich Village. The film found a larger audience when it was released on home video in 1986, but there is no official box office gross information available. The Toxic Avenger holds a 70% rating on Rotten Tomatoes somehow, with an audience <laughs> score of 64%. The site's consensus reads, quote, A silly and ribald superhero spoof, The Toxic Avenger's uninhibited humor hits more than it misses. I would agree. Yeah, totally. It's very funny. Author and film critic Leonard Malton awarded the film two and a half stars out of four, calling the film a funny spoof, not without violence and gore, but still entertaining. Stephen Holden of the New York Times rated the film a score of three out of five, complimenting the film for its maniacally farcical sense of humor, while also noting that the film itself was trash. (laughs) (laughs) Just what he thought. Yeah, just what I thought. Trash. TV Guy gave the film a negative one out of five stars, writing, though it's silly, sleazy, and graphically violent, the Toxic Avenger does hold a bit of warped charm for fans of this sort of thing. Are we those people? Hmm. More recently, Keith Phipps from the AV Club was highly critical of the film, writing, As for the movie itself, it's still a piece of trash, if a marginally entertaining one. It's too self-consciously parodic to be good kitsch, and too gross to be all that fun. Grow up. In his book, Comedy Horror Films, A Chronological History, 1914-2008, Bruce G. Hollenbeck described the film as disgusting, sick, vile, poorly acted, and sloppily produced. He challenged the interpretation of the film as a parody, arguing that the mean-spirited tone of its extreme gore and offensiveness makes clear that the filmmakers were simply trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. The title of that book, <laughs> Comedy Horror Films, colon, A Chronological History, comma, 1914-2008. to 2008. <laughs> How many volumes are there? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> really because it's obviously parody yeah I, for it's, real it's like almost to the heights of, of airplane yes he missed the point entirely who was his name bruce g hollenbeck this is going to be surprising to you listeners but hear me out the film has no accolades that we could find i mean i scoured the internet <laughs> well, on the five sites that i normally go to for notes and there are no accolades for this movie may mayhaps we should give it a retroactive flamey mayhaps we shall the film has generated a media franchise including three film sequels a stage musical production a video game and a children's tv cartoon i remember that in 2019 it was announced that legendary entertainment would be producing a reboot of the film starring of course peter dinklage with original creators lloyd kaufman and michael hertz of trauma entertainment serving as producers and macon blair serving as writer and director i remember that tv that cartoon show too yeah I loved it. There were like action figures and things. I remember that because I remember yeah. there was like this mutant guy with a fucking uh, mop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I remember they looked kind of cool, but I was never, I never thought it was cool enough to buy. I mean, I feel like by the time that cartoon came out, I had seen at least the Toxic Avenger 2. I did not watch these movies in order when I was younger, but um, like I knew what it was. Although it didn't dawn on me as weird that there was a cartoon about it. Right. Yeah. Now, as a grown up looking back, I'm like the trajectory of this franchise is so fucking bizarre to me that we have like these three movies and then a, a children's cartoon show. 
So I, I don't remember like how adult it was. I don't remember anything else about it except that it existed. I'd kind of like to watch some of these episodes now to see if they were like trying to gear this more toward adults, but I don't know. I feel like it was a Saturday morning staple for a minute. It was just for a minute. Yeah. Briefly. So we should probably take this opportunity because this is our first trauma movie we've ever covered on the podcast Mm -hmm. and talk a little bit about trauma itself. Yeah. I feel like that's an important conversation to have this month. For sure. And I mean, God knows when we'll be covering more trauma after this April. So plus it'll be good padding for this derp dive. <laughs> facts are facts. <laughs> so trauma entertainment is an American independent film production and distribution company founded by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz in 1974. The company produces low budget independent films, primarily the horror comedy genre. Many of them play on the 1950s horror with elements of farce, parody, gore, and splatter. I would say all of them do, not even many. Um, Like, I can't think of a single trauma movie that takes itself seriously, and that's not what this production company is about. Only the ones that were really, like, before this. And I think there's a few peppered throughout, but, like, 98% of them are all Mm -hmm. kind of the horror comedy farce. Now, and I had never, I've never seen any of these like sex movies that Trauma was putting out beforehand, right? I've, I've only There's seen only like two or three, I think. Yeah. Based on, or at least two or three notables. Once they found like, once they found their niche, right? With the Toxic Avenger, like everything that came out after that is really just like fucking goofy horror. And um, I've seen a lot of these movies because by the time I was a teenager and <clears throat> working in video stores, like I, would love to like I rented like trauma movies when I could and I would just get stoned by myself and watch them because because that's what I did in high school yeah so yeah so in 2012 the company officially released many of its films on YouTube however their YouTube channel was eventually terminated for not meeting community standards obviously I mean because <laughs> trauma doesn't have any standards no it it doesn't. So Trauma has produced, acquired, and distributed over a thousand independent films since its creation. Its slogan in 2014 was, quote, 40 years of disrupting media. Another slogan the company has used is movies of the future. <laughs> the company also used its own streaming service called Trauma Now, presumably after its YouTube adventure was shut down. Welcome to the movies of tomorrow. um i wonder how many people signed up for that streaming service i don't know because they could easily go over to like one of the other streaming free platforms if they wanted to but they decided hey why not just try and because you can subscribe and they have a thousand movies and there's a fucking market for that anyway i feel like there are certain people who watch these things over and over again like all the time there's there's got to be a handful of people who know every single word to the toxic avenger i'm sure so Trauma Producer acquired early films featuring several rising talents, such as Carmen Electra, who was in The Chosen One, Billy Bob Thornton from Chopper Chicks and Zombie Town, Vanna White from Graduation Day, Kevin Costner, who was in Sizzle Beach, USA. I've seen that. That was one of the earlier ones, I think. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen that USA up all night. J.J. <clears throat> Abrams, who was in Night Beast. Samuel L. Jackson was in Death by Temptation, which is a very, very good movie. Michael J. White was in the Toxic, Toxic Avenger Part 2. He would eventually play Spawn. Yeah. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was in the first turn on, exclamation point. <clears throat> Depostrophe <laughs> Onfrio? <laughs> Depostrophe Onfrio. <laughs> <laughs> you ruined me with that 
Uh, David Boreanaz, Angel himself, was in Macabre, a pair of shorts. Paul Sorvino, R.I.P., was in Cry Uncle, exclamation point. James Gunn, Centromeo and Juliet, which I also love very, very much. Trey Parker and Matt Stone was in Cannibal the Musical. Of South Park fame. That's right. And uh, this was before they were discovered fully. Um, And another Academy Award winning director, Oliver Stone, made his film debut as an actor in The Battle of Love's Return. So many people. That's right. I feel like a lot of people go and like cut their teeth as actors or filmmakers in these kinds of production companies. I mean, like James Cameron himself. Well, made... A lot of people I was going to say come from the school of Roger Corman. Exactly. You know? like, so this is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lloyd Kaufman took Roger Corman's filmmaking ideas, styles, etiquettes. Ed Wood. <laughs> and just totally like ramped it up a little bit more. Like... His entire his entire philosophy of filmmaking really comes from Corman, a lot of it. And sure. he probably worked with Corman at some point. I also have like a shocking amount of budget for these movies, which is like crazy. Like seeing all the stunts and like makeup effects and explosions that they were able to do. I mean, I think when you get a lot of like-minded people together who are really hungry to make a movie and they don't really care what they're working on or they're just like – they just they want to make film, right? Yeah. They're they're gonna find a way to make things happen. I that I, that seems to be a resounding fact of like the seventies and eighties. Like yeah. people want to make movies. We need an explosion. How do we do it cheaply? You know, mm-hmm. people find a way. And I mean, now they could do that sort of thing. It just wouldn't look as good as the CGI we get. Yeah. So the studio prides itself on its self-imposed rules of production. Number one, safety to humans. Number good. two, safety to property. Okay. And number three, written in smaller font than the first two, make a good movie. (laughs) So they know exactly what they're doing. I mean, and like it or not, these movies have kind of a return on investment, I feel, especially like in the home video market. It's not really a thing anymore, but I remember trauma movies being rented quite frequently when I worked in video stores and I worked in video stores for over 10 years. Yeah. So... They made their money. And Lloyd Kaufman himself is kind of amazing to see in like horror documentaries. If they ever have those like clip show-esque kind of documentaries like Journey into Darkness and things like that. Like he's really funny to watch. He knows exactly what he's doing and he he has no qualms about it. He's not – he doesn't regret making any of these movies, you know. Like he's happy with it. He likes the product that he turns out. Well, yeah. And he's legendary. Yes, completely. Trauma certainly is. Yes. So we have our cast, but none of them are notables, really. You know, I do want to say, you know, Pat Ryan Jr. as the mayor was in a couple of other things. But, I mean, he's also passed. You know, and I, w- I would assume that, like, Mitch Cohen comes back as the Toxic Avenger. I would think so, yeah. And maybe uh, Kenneth Kessler, who voiced <laughs> who voiced him, comes back. <laughs> Some of the best moments, really. Or just like the, the ridiculous juxtaposition of the voice that comes after he's been on screen for so long. Yeah. And they just don't give a shit because I feel like they reuse a lot of these actors across a bunch of different trauma films. Yeah. Right. And they don't care about continuity, even though they all take kind of place in like Tromaville, a lot of them, you know, and and so it's just like it doesn't matter. Right. And that's kind of like the vibe of the movie, which oh, yeah. is, you know, it's when it comes to trauma films and especially this one, it's all about tone. Right. So it's not as you know, quite as capital P parody as airplane is, but it gets pretty fucking close. Yes, I would say so. I mean, like it at moments are just completely goofy, 
right? And you you can't help but laugh. And knowing that the actors are not taking their work like super seriously and they shouldn't be because that's the kind of movie that they're making, right? You're just sitting there laughing at performances, even when it's not meant to be a joke. It's just delivered as such. It's just all of it is completely over the top. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I, I would put it up there with Airplane. Like, honestly, I, th- I feel like Airplane is a little bit more direct in the movies that it's making fun of. Yeah. And with Airplane, I'm not wishing it was over 45 minutes before the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a complete package with a, mid- a middle beginning and end versus kind of this one kind of like beats the, you know, the dead horse into chunky salsa a little bit. You know, it kind of belabors the point overstays its welcome. It beats the dead guide dog into chunky salsa. Like a bunch of its action scene set pieces are yeah. like big and over the top. And then the ones that follow, like, you know, in the last third of the movie just aren't as good. They're much mm-hmm. more vanilla. Yeah. Comparatively. And it's just like it doesn't really crescendo for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they were think... betting on that big car chase at the end to, to be like their big kind of like last action set piece. And mm-hmm. it, it's a car chase, you know? Yeah. Nothing special. I I feel like, and, and, and I don't even know that people like focus on those things when they're watching it. Right. I, I feel like they're kind of just focusing on the humor that's going on in this movie really from like start to finish. Like even during those big action set pieces, it's still kind of funny. And maybe it's just funny to us after the fact, you know, yeah. but Yeah. So like another thing it does is it works really, really hard to make our bad guys really bad and devoid of all human empathy, reason or morality uh, with above and beyond violence towards like, say, children and animals. That's right. One, of course, one dog dies. It's true. Um, And it's not super horrific. It's just shot, you know, but it does show some gore. It does. And then the child really shows gore. That I know. So you still kind of gross. You always know when filmmakers are willing to go like above what other people would do normally. And I think that most people shy away from violence toward children and animals. That's just. It's just a thing in movies. That's the first thing they did. Yeah. And so like one of the very first big gory sequences in this movie is a child getting run over two times (laughs) by a car and then people getting out and taking Polaroids of it and shit like that. And like they took the time to craft this child with a just destroyed head. Yeah. And they show a lot of it. They didn't actually take that much time. I'll tell you later. That's a fun fact. Oh, really? Yeah. It, It was all just glorious happenstance. So. I have to imagine there's a lot of fun facts about this movie. There's a few. Okay. Uh, I don't want to oversell it, but it's it's set up as farce, right? The mother is like letting the kids nighttime. She's like, be safe. And it's like <laughs> 1950s style, like Dennis the Menace kind of vibe, yeah. you know? And so it's really setting up for that contrast. And that kind of that part of it kind of works really well. So yeah. I like that part in the movie, right? Because it's so it's so goofy to me that this child is riding around on a bicycle in the middle of the night on a city street. He has a helmet on and yet his head is the first thing that's destroyed by that fucking car. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like it's that kind of like juxtaposition of this, like this 1950s Pleasantville mm-hmm. mixed with, you know, ultra splatter violence that kind of makes that hobo with a shotgun trauma, you know, vibe. type of vibe. Yeah, completely. And they do that in a lot of their movies. Like it's this like quaint little backdrop where the most horrific things are happening and not even just like the action on screen. I mean, Tromaville itself is the fucking toxic waste dump capital of the world, you know, but people seem to flock there and live there and they like their lives. But I mean, it's just, it's just goofy, just goofy. And that dog, when it gets shot and is like still moving and breathing or what I'm just like, 
It's ridiculous, but no one likes to see dogs get shot. No one likes to see blind women get attacked and almost raped. And that was but... just spaghetti with gray paint. <laughs> with the dog. <laughs> they couldn't even get the dog to sit still for a minute. Like, <laughs> like I don't think intestines look like angel hair spaghetti, but you know what? They went for it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> they were already in that Mexican restaurant last Sunday shop. They probably had some angel hair laying around. With the samurai swords on the wall. <laughs> With katana swords on the wall underneath the sombrero. I mean, like, <laughs> the production value in this is really? astounding. For real. And they just don't give a shit, which is, like, kind of refreshing in a way. I like to think that if I were going to make a movie, you know what I mean? I would, like... I would like to make serious film as a filmmaker or whatever, you know, but you know, what's easier and more fun as a filmmaker is making something like trauma. Yeah. And like, I just feel like if you're just there to make a movie and, and you don't really give a shit, you know, we're just going to make a movie. We want it to be fun. We want to have fun while we do it. You know, I I'm down for that. If, if all I had was a sombrero and two katana swords to put on the wall and it served the script. Sure. Do it. Why the fuck not? Someone's going to see this and enjoy the fuck out of it eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also like you, you can tell like it's more than just like the farce and parody. And some of those reviewers are correct that it does kind of go for the the, the offense. Right. There is some there's a, like a ton of offensive stereotypes. A lot of it's being done by the characters like to make you hate them. They go through like every single race or whatever and how many points it is to like. Oh, my God. And I kill them, you know, and others are just kind of portrayed on screen. Like there's obviously gay guys, you know, and and stuff like that are kind of done in a really, really big, tropey, stereotypical way. So are you offended by? I mean, okay, so like I was wondering if I should be is what I was. Yes. And so like when they were going down the list of people that they could kill with their car. Right. And they were naming off all the stereotypical like. These slurs, yeah, yeah, of it. Like I was like mouth agape. I yeah. was like, you can. This movie is 1984 for sure, you know. And I was just like, oh my god, you know, like yeah, they're really setting these guys up to get their comeuppance. Except mm-hmm. that what they do is so much worse than their own comeuppance, yeah. you know. And that in that regard, it almost reminded me of like something like RoboCop, which kind of brings it's almost a trauma movie just like brought into more of like the serious as a car accident kind of vibe That's like true. because the parody is still there and the ultra violence is still there you know so it's kind of interesting it made me think of like airplane it also made me think of robocop and it's like not, not too many movies can make me think of those two movies it's like the in-between between the both you know <laughs> the so vent diagram of airplane and robocop <laughs> is oh my trauma. god <laughs> bitches leave <laughs> So, but like, okay, there's lots and lots of like gay stereotypes going on in this, right? Yeah. Like the two gay guys here at the gym who are obviously a couple or things like that are sort of mincing and prancy. And like, I, I wasn't offended by that. I thought it was funny, you know? Yeah. And they're used, they don't have a moral judgment on it. They're showing them on screen and he's never going after them. No, right? they're just there. Except you know? that the guys in the alley, one of them is a cross dresser, yeah. you know? And then there's another guy that's in like the, the Mexican place, which is literally called the Mexican place, <laughs> you know, who I guess is giving me like some, you know, definitely giving me some bi vibes. Yeah. With the, I'm half his face painted. Yeah. Cause I, and I was just like, <laughs> Definitely, because the way that part of his face was painted seemed very drag queeny and a little feminine. Yes, you know, very much. And he and he was wearing mascara. You know? Right. So it was. Uh, and his his character's name is Leroy, and he's going to come up again. By the way. Okay. But yeah, I mean, like for those things, I I really wasn't offended by. It. I thought I thought it was funny, and I I know that like at the time, like 
as a gay man, I should have been offended by it. If it were 1984, I should be offended by this, right? But if you're going to go into a movie that's made by trauma, you should expect to be offended at some point. Oh, yeah. And just like, you have to go with that. If I ever catch myself feeling, should I be offended? And usually I walk away from it, you know, because if it's usually if it's if I'm offended, it should be like a knee jerk, like a gut hit in mm-hmm. the gut, you know, versus like this. I'm just like, this is kind of funny because it's making fun of it's, it's almost like South Park in a way. Right. Yeah. Because it's making fun of everybody. So it kind of waters everything down. It's equal opportunity offensive. Yes. Yeah. And I, I I feel like that's just a staple when it comes to trauma. Although they may list off the, the minorities and races for points. They don't really have uber race stereotypes in this movie compared to like, you know, the homophobic ones. Yeah, that's true. So it's like rife throughout the entire thing. Yeah, it was like gay jokes abound in this. And they're all kind of visual. Yeah, the so, F word. Yeah. You know. Oh, they did say fag a lot in this. Mm-hmm. So, But yeah, I don't know. I mean... Offensive, yes, but I think you have to expect that going into it. Yeah, and it's all done with love. <laughs> I have to believe. <laughs> we have to hold on to that fact. It's we done with try. love. We have to care. <laughs> Come on, you stupid. It's not going to even say it. <laughs> Can't talk about that movie anymore. It's going to make me cry. This movie is very, very tropey. Um, we've got Revenge of the Nerds. We've got Jocks Are Bad. We've got Blind and the Beast, a la Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got the politically incorrect villains, Toxic Waste and Corporate Greed with Corruption. We've got Corrupt Government. So it's all kind of working together to make like the perfect, you know, horror movie setup for all of the stuff. You know, it's got Carrie in it. It's got Frankenstein. It's got a bunch of stuff. When I feel like a lot of that is found in superhero movies, which is trying to parody. Yeah. And I was thinking during that car chase, it also has that trope of like, here's the aftermath of destruction. Like he's going through this town trying to teach this guy a lesson of, of driving and being scared of driving like a lunatic because he's, he, he's putting his own life at risk. This is mm-hmm. a guy that's running people over, you know, and he's basically totaling the entire fucking town's cars yeah. on his way out. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I mean, but there's still a lesson to be had. He, he doesn't seem too concerned that he's like he- heading him straight towards like the group of like school children in the playground. <laughs> and they just happen to leap out of the way. Yeah. Meanwhile, Toxie or whatever his name is, is like laughing the whole time. I mean, but that's a really funny part of that movie. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> The villains in this are very, very comic booky, you know, like over the top with with, like you said, the corporate greed and corruption. The mayor in this is just ridiculous and is very, very kingpin. He's very Lex Luthor. Yeah. Right? And that's done for a reason. And to to hear some of these critics say that they couldn't find the parody or think it's a very, very loose parody of like superhero movies or comic books in general. I find that completely wrong. This movie is definitely a parody of those things, and it's seen all the way through it. So what are some of your favorite moments? I have my list. Um, I really, really, really love just everything about his fucking voice. Yeah. So this is like Toxie is, of course, that that nerd that has like the most annoying voice in the world. Yep. Purposefully. Mm-hmm. And then he gets transformed and, and the, you know, it makes him hit puberty and everything else and turn into the superhero. And then he's got this perfect like radio announcer voice. He sounds like Superman, you know, what I mean? yeah. like it's it's like Clark Kent, you know, mother. Yeah, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> so this whole Mighty Mouse thing going on. It's so obviously ADR, they don't even try and add any kind of yeah. atmospherics <laughs> to make it like fit the scene. It's I mean, hilarious. His mouth isn't moving. And for half the movie, it's just his back. And he's like, hello. Yeah. Like, the guy in the mask like could not eat like he had to to eat and drink out of a straw with that mask on that 
Yeah, I can see that. But I mean, just like everything about the Toxic Avenger, once he becomes the Toxic Avenger, is like fucking gold for me. The fact that yeah. we don't get to see his face through most of the movie and um, just the fucking fucking the voice is just hilarious. <laughs> yes, it is. And then <clears throat> I kind of love and this is just like like just for me personally, it's not even that funny. I just like the whole fucking relationship that he builds with that woman just randomly. Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. The blind woman. Yeah. I feel like the movie needed something like that. And I like that he has a companion and whatnot. And I don't know. It just makes me happy inside that they would add something like that. The movie. There's like a love montage and there's like That's a setting right. up his apartment montage. And <laughs> and then there's like going into the tent for sex kind of thing. And I'm just like, oh, good for him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just I like it. I like it a lot. Also, God help me. I like all the offensive gay shit. Like it was making me fucking crack up. All of this, the offensive stuff, because it was just like peppered in. Yeah. Right? There's just offensive stuff everybody, everywhere. I loved everything in the gym. Yes. Every, it was just like so packed and unrealistic and just like whatever's going on in this gym. It's just fucking hilarious. People like dancing around a pool. The movie was originally going to be called like the health club or the gym. Oh, Jesus. Before it was going to be Toxic Avenger. So just, and no one calls him the Toxic Avenger in this movie. No, it's they always don't. the monster hero. That's right. Until later other movies. Yeah. Yeah. But like I, I love the I do love like the hardcore violence that's done with tongue, kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, I like that the the girls are literally like rubbing one out to like the Polaroids of the kids. <laughs> what in the fucking this? sauna? Because yeah. it's so absurd, you know. And uh, you know, I love the earlier fight scenes, like the alley scene with Cigar Face and his friends, and I love the I love the Mexican place scene with Leroy and his friends where he like he gets made into a chocolate sundae. The other guy's hands get into the fry the fry grease or whatever. You know, and the other guy gets beaten to death with his other arm, like <laughs> that has ripped off. And I feel like that is probably the 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 best like moment in the movie is the Mexican place fight scene. Like honestly, it's longer. I feel like those villains are a little better than the ones from the alley, except for the you know the the trans one or whatever. And uh, but this one, like I wince every time I watch this, and I've only seen this movie a handful of times. But when that when he dips his hands into the deep fryer, right? It's just gross to me because I work with food. There's yeah. fryers all over my department. And like the thought of like accidentally getting my hand in one is like a real fucking fear. So, I mean, at least there's some actual moments of like horror in this situational, but yeah. Yeah. So I also love the, uh, the girl runs through the basement. <laughs> thing because it's just like a horror trope and she's like trying every little drawer or whatever to escape and i'm just like what the hell um so that was great and then the the use of music which you know famously like you can use music that's over 100 years old you know yeah. you're supposed to re-record it i don't think they did you know no that sounded but they keep good. playing night on bald, bald mountain for his transformation and then it comes back in other scenes and then they play other classical music for the backgrounds because they can't afford you know an actual composer and then they play pop songs Throughout the entire, like, they play the entirety of pop songs, like, over the beginning and a couple other points. No matter how they're jumping to different scenes, they just keep playing those those songs. It's hilarious. Do you know if those songs were written for the movie? I don't think so. I think, I I don't, let me hear your body talk. I think that was probably, like, a soft, you know, top 500 hit or something. I mean, I don't know, but... It, it kind of feels like it was made for this. You know what I mean? Like some of those pop songs are just ridiculous sounding lyrically, you know? And it just seems like something that trauma would make to put in their movie. It also made me wonder when that Jamie Lee Curtis uh, movie came out where she was like the gym instructor or whatever with John Travolta. Around the same time. 
Because I seems mean, like it this is this is the time we're doing that a little bit. What the fuck was that movie called? God, they were know. just talking about it. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. My God. I mean, Jesus, aerobics and that that scene actually where he puts the snake down that aerobics instructor's back, yeah. and everyone's like doing their random crazy shit. Like even that's funny. This movie is just goofy as fuck. And I, I really like my comedy to be goofy as fuck. Like I love things like Airplane and The Naked Gun. And we've talked about spoofs in the podcast before. We like Muppety stuff. Yeah. You know. I, I like me some Muppety comedy. So. Yeah. Absurdist humor. Amen. Yeah. You have some fun facts for me? I do. So Marissa Tomei is in the director's cut and can be seen as a girl in locker room coming out of the showers. Oscar winner Marissa Tomei. Yes. My God. <laughs> you blend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the violent looking crushing of a child's head in the movie was accomplished by injecting a melon with corn syrup and red food dye. A wig was placed on the melon and it was fitted onto a dummy. Though cheap, the effect is highly unsettling. It really It's just a melon. Really is just a melon, but it is so it's gross. And <clears throat> the fact that that character is a child also plays into It's also that. at night, so you can barely see it. You can just yeah. see like the chunky salsa or whatever. And you can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> And audible things are always worse than sometimes what you see on screen. So, yeah. But good to know we can do that. Yeah. (laughs) Getting ideas. So the character of Leroy, as you know, as we've mentioned, the one with the the face painted half black in the Mexican-Japanese ice cream parlor scene. Yes. So that's Patrick Kilpatrick, who ran for governor of California in 2021 (laughs) recall election against Gavin Newsom. As a Democrat, he received 1.2% of the vote. Uh, So he's been all over film and TV and actually won a bunch of awards recently in 2022 for a movie called Borrowed Time 3. I don't know. Never heard of it. But yeah, and and apparently he actually quit this film after having to point that shotgun at a baby. Okay, so that's where he draws the line? I guess, but he played the rest of the scene, so I guess it wasn't shot in order if he did quit, or if maybe that's anecdotal. A lot of these facts can be not true. He also was participating in the attempted rape of a blind woman and the murder of her guide dog. But I guess, I mean, mm. and all this is fake too. So yeah, as an actor, calm down, Patrick Kilpatrick. So, you know, uh, also, okay. So finally, uh, speaking of anecdotal, this, I don't know if this is true. It doesn't sound like it could be, but the location used for the Mexican restaurant is now Popeye's in <laughs> Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, and so you can visit that now, but at the time the Mexican restaurant was actually called, the Mexican place, just like it was in the movie. It was kind of like a makeshift Taco Bell I, with ice cream. I don't know. It's the Popeyes. Like, I can't imagine. Like, were they that uncultured that they'd call it the Mexican place? I, I, th- I think they might. So I think we need to plan some sort of trip where we stop at places like this. Like, we, yeah. need, to, we need to find a reason to be in Rutherford, New Jersey and go to that Popeyes and be like, oh, my God, we're in the Mexican place. Yeah. So next time we exodus to a, like a film festival in New York or something, then we'll go through New Jersey. That's right. We'll go through the Garden State. <laughs> Never underestimate the staggering jawing power of the Garden State. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, those facts were fun. But we have some questions to ask about the Toxic Avenger, like we do about every movie that we derp dive into here on the Film Flamers. <laughs> and we're going to start with, is the Toxic Avenger a horror movie? I mean, it's a horror comedy. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... Just horrific things. They were they were setting out to make a movie that was definitely genre that leans more heavily into the horror. They were just making fun of horror as well as they were making fun of every every other thing in this movie. Yeah. Right. Were you scared? No. No. Scared for my soul, I guess. <laughs> <But> like <laughs> No, not frightening. 
Um, okay, so out of five stars, what would you rate the Toxic Avenger? I gave it a three and a half just of pure enjoyment value. You know, honestly, it's like my, my, my biggest problem with it is that it really just like it's it's at its best in its first 45 minutes mm-hmm. and it could have been just like cut off soon after. It could have cut like two or three other little set pieces, you know, and then skipped to the end and it would have been wonderful. Or it could have even cut even more and make it a short. You know, like a, a 20, 30 minute long short or something yeah. like that. But yeah, no, I'm with you. So when the movie was over, like I had a, I had a good time watching this last night. Like I was laughing and I mean, let's be clear. Like I had a little assistance and, uh, but I got up after the movie and I was just like, I have no qualms and rating this four stars because I had such <laughs> a good time laughing and whatnot. Yeah. And then while I was thinking about it, like right after I said that, I was like, nope, shouldn't have said that shit out loud. Cause it's not a four star movie. No. <laughs> I'm like three and a half is being kind of generous, but I have to take into account like rewatchability. And this movie has that. And like, just, enjoyment like i have a good time with this movie it makes me laugh yeah perfect if you have the right people around you then it's really really fun to watch and i can't think of a time when i've watched this movie and didn't enjoy watching it Mm -hmm. right and there's a little bit of nostalgia there because i liked this when i was a kid sure so three and a half is what i landed on as well so all right finally and some would say most importantly who's the hottest guy in the toxic avenger You know, I actually might say Robert Fitzpatrick or whatever his name was. Patrick Kilpatrick? <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. Because while we were watching this last night, I was just like, God, who am I going to fucking pick? And then he po- he popped into the Mexican place and I was like, that one, <laughs> the one with the paint. A little pretty, hairy chest. Yeah. yeah. He's got a pretty mouth. Sure do got a pretty mouth. Jesus. It's <laughs> a different horror movie. <laughs> we need that we have yet to derp dive. I know. We need to derp dive into that one. Um, uh, but yeah, totally. Patrick Kilpatrick failed governor run you will always have the hottest guy in this movie award from the film flamers so hold on to that for dear life well i think that just about completes the derp dive into the toxic avenger i still had a good time talking about it yeah i mean and we know there's got to be fans of this movie out there so we want to know what you think about our conversation in the movie itself you can find us on social media at the film flamers on twitter facebook or instagram you can email us at tired queens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733 i've got some polaroids for you to look at mm, do you have any guts at all come rearrange mine Want to see underneath my tutu? (laughs) My toxic tutu. Put down your tacos or I'll blow you. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Um, If you can't get enough of the Film Flamers content, and I know you can't, head over to patreon.com slash the Film Flamers, join the family, and vote in our latest poll for our next bonus episode, which is entirely made up of trauma films. That's right. Poultrygeist, Father's Day, Smattering of Others. Romeo and Juliet. They're all on on there. They're all on there. Whether you've seen them or not, come vote for them. Let your voice be heard. And finally, we are inching closer to 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts, iTunes. So head over there, leave us a five-star review, tell us why you like it, and we will read that on the next Shooting the Flames. Well, Robert, 
I think it's time for me to take a dirt nap with baby Jesus. <laughs> and this town's toxic waste. <laughs> well, I'm so glad you said that, because now I'll have some questionable dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have something problematic. Yeah. <laughs> sweet dreams. No, I mean no sweet dreams. I'm not. <laughs> Toxy. You're so toxic. You're so toxic after the pandy. <laughs> I'm so tired of toxic masculinity. <laughs>